Hello and welcome back to the Hockey News on the A podcast. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News, joined alongside Patrick Williams from the HL.com as well. Virtually, that is. Uh, Pat, how you doing as the, the playoffs are kind of kicking into full swing here? Yes, they are. Uh, we're kind of through that that first that mini round, that playing round, the best of three, and uh, now we're down to the you know what's essentially now the top sixteen, right? You know, and it, it, it's a pretty good field, really. You know, from one to sixteen, um, there's no real what I would say weak teams or you know those Cinderella teams that that have their moment and then kind of uh, can't keep it up. I mean, it, I would say these are probably really truly the top sixteen teams in the league right now. I disagree with you there. So right now. This is this year, this round of games plus the next one are best of five, correct? Yes, uh, this round, think of it as yeah, the two divisional rounds are best of five, then you get to the conference final, yeah, best of seven, standard best of seven, and then Calder Cup finals is standard best of seven. So, um, I understand that the playoff system, the format's uh, complicated for people, but if you essentially just think now that you kind of uh, weeded it down to the top 16 now. Now it's a standard one, one and four, two and three format uh, seating wise each round. So, you know, it, it's pretty simple from here on out. So before we get into to each series, we were remiss not to mention Ty Karche. Uh, one of the, one of the best stories of the year, you know, before even last night, um, but it took a, another kind of twist and turn that you love to see. So Ty Karche is a Seattle prospect signed out of a junior head of this season to an ELC undrafted from the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds came in and, you know, on a very stout Coachella Valley team has established himself in, you know, a middle six role with the Firebirds record. He was 59 points in, in 72 games wins HL rookie of the year. And then last night against, uh, sorry, it's 57 points in 72 games. But anyways, last night uh, injury happens to Jared McCann, for the Seattle Kraken a couple games ago. So he's called up, put in a top six role, makes his NHL debut in the playoffs and scores a pretty nice goal. So I don't know how, if you could ever envision a better year for a player like that. We had Jessica Campbell on and she was, you know, speaking very highly of him, but what a year it's been for the 21 year old center. Yeah. What a year undrafted comes to Coachella, uh, signs, signs as a free agent with Seattle out of the, the you know, OHL after, you know, a solid career at the Sioux Greyhounds. And this is a classic case. So he did two things. He, he took a, advantage of an opportunity to start with, had a fantastic season, especially after around the first 20 games, he definitely struggled right. and tried to fight his way. And, uh, but I mean, really down that the, the final two, two thirds plus of the season, um, one of the hottest scorers in the league, right? He finally figured out how to kind of unleash that shot and uh, do what he needed to do in order to, to utilize that. And then the second part is always be ready, right? Like, you know, he, he got the call here in the playoffs, Seattle. They need a player. Come in and, and make an impression quick, right? Like, like assert yourself. And this is really – it's, it's a great example, great advice for any AHL player, um, you know, that, that's in that type of situation, right? And I was talking to a coach. Uh, you know, he made a really good point that uh, nobody's going to care about where you're, more about your career than you, right, as a player. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you don't look after your career, who will? So um, great example of a player doing exactly that. Uh, coming in, knows, knows what works. Uh, didn't try to change his game. Didn't try to be something that he wasn't. Uh, just came in and did what he did in Coachella all year and converted that to the NHL level. And uh, as we saw, um, 
kind of the talk of the uh, the hockey world here. Um, you know, after that, that that fantastic debut. You said always be ready. That's also for the parents too. I read that yeah. his he called his parents about it, and the they drove right to Toronto. Yeah, I think it was they dropped jumped on a plane to Denver right away. So it kind of goes for for parents and uh, parents and players this time of year. So here's the the interesting thing too about Cartier is, and you made a tweet actually about it too, is that shot that you saw that scored the goal. Like he had a very good shot in the OHL. It was always known for that. The big thing on him, from what I've gathered and heard, was that two things. One, none of his skills, even Sean included, none. Of, he's not like a, a crazy free. Like none of his skills are kind of distinguishable and elite on their own. So sometimes he can kind of fade in the background. And also, his decision making wasn't as good. To see what he's done this year in Coachella Valley the point that he's being recalled and when they're when they're in a pinch like there's a, a slew of veterans on that team sure. contracted by seattle and there's no brownie points in the nhl playoffs they're gonna take the guy they believe will come in and do the best with the role they're given and ty karchik was that guy that's no small feat given where he came from and what his shortcomings were in junior so i think it's a huge step in his development and look i'm not here to say that he's gonna make the team next year or anything like that it's so premature so early but He's a legitimate prospect for this team. There's no doubt about that. That's an excellent point. Playoffs are not an audition, right? Like it's no. been and produce. Like, and that's what the HL is for. That's you know, it is to learn, you know, the better decision making, play away from the puck, all those things that coaches harp on time and time again. And you're kind of like, you know, you, maybe you roll your eyes a little bit, you know, hearing that so often, but but it's true, right? Like that's what you have to do. You have to be ready to go. Like when you know, it's like a, it's a play. It's an actor. When that curtain goes up. It's showtime. Be ready, right? And like he's a great example that you know players. You know this this July we'll see player or June we'll see players that don't get drafted and kind of think their career's over and what are their chances, right? Well, point to Ty Cartier, right? Like if you can produce, <laughs> this is a league where there's so much parity. They're gonna find a role for you, and uh, you know as long as you're ready to go and, and bring it when you do get that chance, you you too could be like a tight car team. So, uh, you know, don't rule players out. I think that's the biggest uh, change we've seen in the last five, 10 years with player development that um, you really can't pigeonhole players anymore. Like every player has their own path and Hey, if they need an extra year, they need this, they need that. So be it. And then here we are. Must be awesome for Seattle. You know, especially when you're an expansion team, the cupboards are like, you know, the cupboards are going to be bare. Yeah. So you kind of prepare yourself for it. And then to have this undrafted free agency signing uh, again, if he didn't even play last night, it'd be great. Great year sure. as it is. When of the year, then to have it to the point where he develops so much that you're bringing him up and he scores a goal. I mean, that's a lot of high fives in that front office. I'm sure. So moving on from Cartier onto kind of the Calder cup final 16, the sweet 16, I guess we'll say sure. um, right now, this time of the year, we're going to go by each division, start with the two, three matchup, go into the one, four seed after kind of break it down a couple of minutes. You know, you've probably heard some of what we said, uh, you know, two episodes ago and whatnot, but lots has kind of developed it. And this is where it's taking shape, right? This is where the playoffs really gets into that, you know, sort of traditional format, if you will. And uh, we're going to look at it with that sort of lens in mind. So let's start with Hershey and Charlotte, the two, three in the Atlantic division. You know, we, you and I have talked a lot about this. I'm a bit higher in Charlotte than most because they're veterans, but I don't like for, for me, it's like, I don't know if I see that overruling a, what is a really good Hershey team. Like they, they've, they've kind of got everything you'd want in that situation. The veterans there, 
the NHL teams out, and they've been playing quite well since January. Hershey has veterans too, right? Like Charlotte, totally, totally. Um, yeah, definitely has a good group. Now the problem for Charlotte right now is Alex Lyons in Florida, Zach Delpy's in Florida. Yeah, you bring, you put those two back in Charlotte, and I think this is a much different series, right? But you know, Charlotte. Now I think to their credit, they did rally against Lehigh Valley, but. It was a lot more dicey than I think it probably should have been for them. Right. Um, it was only kind of when they wore Lehigh Valley down that finally they opened the floodgates there with that six nothing win. But uh, I'm a little, I'm a little, little bit uncertain about their goaltending right now. That just uh, you know they had to go with both uh, Jay Brube and uh, Matt Gusta. And hey, you know, uh, like whatever it takes to get the job done. But I just don't know if that's sustainable. Um, you know, Hershey just can roll a lot of lines at you, a lot of depth. Yeah, Todd Nelson's the head coach here. You know, they're going to be absolutely prepared. Uh, they've had a lot of time to heal up, uh, kind of work things, you know, you know, a little bit of almost a mini training camp where you slowly ramp up and now right. here game one Friday night, ready to go. And, uh, they already got to show you how ready they are. They, they actually went down Wednesday afternoon or actually Wednesday morning. They bust down to Charlotte. So, you know, two days in advance uh, just right. to kind of uh, get settled in and, and get that team uh, cohesion uh, that much tighter. Yeah, you make a good point. Obviously, Hershey still has veterans, and I didn't want that to get lost in it. But what I think also really works at Hershey's advantage is they've had pretty much the same nucleus for a long time now. And like when I say a long time, I'm talking about even a matter of months. Like to have so I'll give you an example. We'll get to the series in a bit, but I was talking today to Manitoba's coach, Mark Morrison, about how they're preparing for Milwaukee. And when watching tape, the personnel is changing so much, right? So yeah. so you're just looking for systems, right? And it's kind of a mixed bag. Like and, and he didn't say this, but my thought is like, okay, like, yeah, you're watching for systems and structural, but like when you don't know really the, the personnel, there's definitely kind of an element of Pandora's box there. For Hershey, you know, sure, some teams get to pre-scout them. They, they know what all they have. But for Hershey, it's like we we all in this room as a group have been together for a long time and we know how to execute. Where sometimes you'll find some teams that are good on paper but not, but it's like I don't even know that guy. My, like I don't know this guy. I saw, well, him that, camp, I saw him at camp but like don't know him. Well, that's a challenge when you, you – people get excited. Okay, well, you know – we got four or five guys coming in and we got so-and-so coming in from college or junior. Well, that's great on in theory, but hockey's a game of chemistry, right? And if totally. you, know, you, you met this guy, you know, two days ago and now you're asked to, to play in a, a playoff game, right? Like it doesn't always go well. And even sometimes guys who've played together, but you've been apart now for a number of months, you've been in different roles and maybe in the NHL you're playing eight to 10 minutes. Now you're being asked to play 20 to 22 minutes. It's just, it's a whole, it's a whole different, uh, you know, can of worms. Right. And I, I think that's a great point with Hershey. Like they've been pretty stable. They certainly have gotten healthy. That's been a big part for them. Uh, they got Sam Annis back, uh, who kind of is one of the real catalysts uh, for, for that team. And uh, you know, you look at Hershey kind of like nothing, nothing about the Hershey lineup is, will amaze you or, or dazzle you, but it's just real solid. It's deep, uh, really like from the net on out, you know, all the way up to the forwards. Uh, and there are a lot of solid veterans. Guys, you know, they have guys who've won a cup. Um, Nelson is a, is a champion three times over in this league. So Hershey's going to be a tough out, I think. Let me ask you a question. If Florida gets eliminated in the middle of 
this Charlotte Hershey series, what's the turnover like in terms of that? So I know there's exit interviews and, and all that stuff, but how quickly do you see a guy eliminated from the playoffs go into an AHL Calder Cup game? Oh, it can be the next night sometimes. Uh, so they'll yeah. just right from there, they'll be like, you're, you're flying out right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, thanks for your, uh, thanks for your help here. Let's say Zach Dalby. Thanks. Thanks for coming in, playing a, a good role, you know, bottom six. Now go down to Charlotte and go, go win, win the series here, you know, and they'll want to like, like I talked to Dalby a lot this season, you know, like he was in Florida for two months during the season, but uh, he's captain in Charlotte. So like that whole time, he's kind of like, you know, he'd be, you know, keeping up on, you know, even if he's in the press box as a scratch, for example, like he's keeping up on Charlotte's game that night. Like it's not kind of like just, you know, out of sight, out of mind. So yeah, those guys uh, I think would want to be back there ASAP and they want to play, right? Like, you know, like if you've got an opportunity to keep your season going, why not? Right. And uh, certainly a team that like both Alex Lyon and uh, Zach Dalpin heavily invested in, they were there for the, most of the season. And uh, so that that's the potential will variable in this series. If you get that swing where you get a top, let's say top line forward and you get a number one goalie. And that, that's a, uh, I can swing a series. No question. Do you want to make a prediction? <sighs> See, I didn't even ask you. I didn't even ask you before. I didn't even just you know, you. my thoughts on predictions. I mean, you know, like forget it. It's, it's a full zero in this league, right? Like I agree. NHL is a different thing. For the most part, you kind of know what you're dealing with, you know, bar barring injuries and that. But with NHL, right? Like, you is that down no back, right? Like, yeah. You know, so, yeah, it's. I'll uh, give you a break. I'll give you a break. Let's let's full I agree. Let's move on to Providence and Hartford. Um, but let's start with Hartford, okay? Because they're our team of the week, and for good reason, right, Pat? Absolutely. Wow. I mean, there's a team that, well, I mean, they struggled better part of two-thirds of the season. The New York Rangers go out, and they're like, all right, we're getting this team in the playoffs no matter what. First time in eight years. So, they, I mean, they turned over probably a good third of the roster, brought in a number of uh, players, shipped a number of players out. Um they were the hottest team really in the league down the stretch and won nine of 10. They come in though against the Springfield team that had given them a lot of trouble. And right. you think Springfield, right? All right. The St. Louis blues are done. Joel Hofer's in net. You know, they don't have any call-ups to worry about, right? Like this Springfield should handle the series. Well, not only did they not handle the series, they got blown out. <laughs> 13 goals in two games for Hartford. Uh, Springfield had no answers. Um, yeah. They go in there in game one. Uh, absolutely just route them. And then game two, you think, okay, Springfield's going to come with a real big pushback. Instead, it's, it's Hartford. comes out 3 nothing in the first period. You're like, wow. So this Hartford, you know, it's not the same Wolfpack as before. We're kind of like uh, the passive Wolfpack that don't, that don't push a play. This is a different group now. And uh, they, had, they had some success against Providence. Like, this is not necessarily going to be the easiest series for Providence. Eastern Conference, uh, regular season champ. Like, this is a tougher series than you would probably expect. Uh, coming in, you know, when you win the entire conference, but um, it's a good way if, if you're Providence, you're thinking of making a real deep run, get sharp early. So I guess that's the silver lining there. Well, also, I mean, in, ter in terms of where both those teams are with both of their, with both their teams curling the playoffs, we could see a situation here where it, this series isn't touched at all. If, if they're both the Rangers and the Bruins advance. Yeah the rosters are kind of completely intact. And that might be the only one of yeah. this sort of well, series. 
And think about this with Hartford. So the regular season ends. Yeah. Rangers say, okay, we, we need four players to come up as uh, as extras. Right. Captain Johnny Brzezinski goes up, top six forward. Jake Lecision, a top six forward, goes up. Louis Demine, your number one goalie, goes up. Yeah. Uh, Libor Hayek, uh, top four D, goes up. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like it, that is it. not a recipe generally for, you know, to come in and, and, and you know, win a series like that. And yet, I think everybody there really rallied. Everyone pulled together. Dylan Garand, uh, pretty highly talented rookie came in and, and certainly held up his end of the bargain. And um, the Wolfpack are pesky. Like they, they're a different team now than they used to be. Like they, they come at you a lot harder. Uh, they don't sit back as much as they used to. Well, the, the big thing for them is going to be the special teams yeah. because they're one of the best, even strength teams at like scoring chances, expect the goals. This is all from instat data. I'm kind of sur- surmising here. Uh, but yeah, instat data has them as one of the most, you know, if you were to, put it all in one statement, the most pesty kind of even strength, gritty, not pretty scoring team. One of the worst power plays in the league though. So that's kind of, cause I find that special teams is kind of the difference in those series is yeah. a lot of the time I find. So let's move on to still staying in the uh, Eastern conference, but moving up to the North division, Syracuse, Rochester. Um, I'm not saying that I'm going to make a prediction, but I will say that I know Syracuse is, is team still playing, but, I wouldn't count them out in the series. I think a lot of people are kind of leaning towards Rochester and what they have, but I like Syracuse's chance of this one. Well, you know, when you think like they won the first two games, I mean, that second game they played was probably the best game they played all season. Right. They didn't allow a shot to Rochester in the first period. Rochester had no answers. Rochester is also missing Brandon Byro, who's all for the season. Yuri Kulik, uh, who's uh, been injured. Um, Philip Searquist uh, took a pretty uh, pretty tough hit in that uh, game two. So now Syracuse captain Gabriel DeMont is out for two games. So there's been some moving parts there. Yeah. Um, this is going to be a tough task though for Rochester now. Now you got you got to beat this team three times in a row. Yeah. Now you do have two, two, two of those games are in your building. So that's – if you're looking for you know reasons for optimism in Rochester, that would be one. Um, but uh, – Well, and also I think – Syracuse has kind of struggled with consistency sometimes this year. Yes. So, yes. like, the reason I mentioned Rochester, the favorite, I think there's a lot, I've seen a lot of discourse online yes. mentioning that, and I don't think that it's far fetched. They have it, they've had strings of games, Pat, where they've been horrible. Yeah. Syracuse. So, I mean, it, it's that's kind of there, but as you said, they have to win three times in a row. Yeah. Like, and, yeah, it'd be pretty hard to blow that one. Yeah. You know, Syracuse, yeah, they're. You know, and they're doing this without Darren Radish, who now is basically a, a yeah. Kappa. Uh, so everybody stepped up. I talked to Ben Grew the other day. You know, like you're, you're so you get like a, a Max Crozier come in, right? Like a, a just out of Providence College who comes in and I think he pumped out eight shots in the uh, King too, right? Like instant confidence, right? And like, Ben like, Grew got him in a military camp. He had him watch stick positioning videos, and then he had yeah. him in there. In that I Listen, like, like Ben grew, like people, I know people get on him and they think, you know, no, he knows what he's doing every year. He seems to know how to push the buttons. And he really is one of those coaches that like can get every last bit of talent out of each one of his players. And I mean, he's, he's don't get me wrong. He's difficult to deal with. I think for players as a coach, uh, right. not in a bad, not in a bad way, but just like acquired taste. You don't get away with anything, right? Like yeah. some coaches will let you slide on some of the details, like not him, like, He's very he's rigid, on you. like very rigid. Wants it done a certain way, but 
you see here in the playoffs, it pays off, right? And so oh, just look at the alumni. Look at Carter Verhagi. Became one of the best puck battler. Sure. Like when he went to Tampa the next year before going to Florida, he when they won the cup, he was like one of the best four checkers and puck battlers in the entire league. I asked him why when I saw him. He's like Ben Guru, man. Yeah. Like like it, it, it speaks for itself. Yanni Gord, they all play that way. He's yeah. one of those guys where you kind of mentioned there. I'm sure you know you may hate him when you're playing with him, but you're sure as heck happy you did when you look back on it. So yeah, Syracuse is a good spot right now, and Rochester's on the brink, but. You know, Seth Appert, as we've had on the show, is uh, could run a motivational clinic. So who knows? Maybe they go on an absolute heater. Toronto and Utica. What we talked about the Marlies and their slide. Where where are you on with them right now as they approach the series? Well, I think thank God for the Marlies that they won that final game of the season against Belleville. At least it was something. You know, a little bit of confidence. I mean, now granted, Belleville was already out of the race, and you know, it was kind of a. It wasn't much of a game in terms of the standings, but. They had just been on a month-long slide, right? Like, they had one win, I think, in their last 11, you know? So, Oy. you know, like, that, not not the way you want to go in the playoffs. So, no. uh, I guess if, you know, if you're if you're the Marlies and, you're again, you're looking for some positives, you're like, all right, we won that final game. Then we got away. You know, they, they took a break for a yeah. few days. Um, like a lot of these teams that, that didn't have to play in the playing round, they, they kind of – slowly ramped it back up. So now Utica's coming in. They just had a really emotional series against Laval. They went into Laval, won four, nothing, uh, played kind of a textbook game that you want to play in plus belt came home. Uh, they were down one, nothing late in the third period. They were pressing, pressing Riley Walsh, two seconds left in the, uh, in, in the third period, uh, ties it. Uh, they win it in overtime and end of the series. So, you know, this is a Utica team. Like they, they were Calder Cup favorites, or at least one of the favorites last season, right? And they they went out early. Yeah. Uh, so there's a, a lot of those guys are back, and you know, there's definitely a sense. I think speaking with a number of them, that's yeah, there's unfinished business. I think they kind of got some of that uh, past them now, winning that series against Laval. So I think I think Utica's going to be a tough tough opponent for Toronto, and if Toronto's not able to get past what played them down the stretch look out well i guess the question i would ask is how does toronto get over the stretch they had time off but the problem is like you look at a team where these last say 10 12 days they use it to get healthy bodies back get players back from the big club whatever toronto their personnel hasn't changed too much the same issues are still there walls are mvp so is bobby mcmahon both unavailable Jared shogun unavailable so it's dicey. It. It's tough. You're down to yeah. number three goalie Keith Petrozilli uh, as your likely starter. So it's uh, it's not yeah, it's not ideal. You know, it's a much different hockey team that was there for 66 percent of the year. And right? It what? doesn't look like the Leafs are going anywhere anytime soon in terms of uh, their season being over. So right, yeah. <laughs> um, Didn't so... we say that in 2011? I mean, I don't want. <laughs> no, to produce, yeah. I don't want produ- producer wearing a, wearing a Leafs jersey right now. So this, this um, broadcast might end as I'm. Chirping them, but, but yeah, go um, ahead, Matt. But yeah, no, so you, you don't necessarily have that uh, possibility um, that maybe you're going to get help right away through the Marlies. So um, it's a tough one for them just because, like, they equip themselves so well with depth and, like, they have the bodies. But, you know, no matter how well you quote unquote prepare, when you have a guy that has the impact like Bobby McMahon, same with Joe Walt, like, the, as profound of an impact as they had this year, leave. And then you said Shulgin, your backup goalie, like you're 
it's just that's the AHL. Like, I mean, you're like it, it's hard to overcome that. Like now we're talking because because yeah, Utica's the four seed or whatever in this, but like I it it'd be silly to call them the upset right now, right? Like the underdog, sorry. Like, I mean, I think that they're probably the favorites. You can't go by regular season seeding when looking at AHL teams. No, it's no. a completely different season. No. Like, if I were to look at it, like I, I don't bet on games or anything, but and I I don't know. Are there games on AHL? Like, I, I do, can you bet on AHL games? I'm sure, I don't. I, I yeah, I have no idea. But my point being is, like, I wonder if like Vegas or whoever's making odds. I bet you Utica would be favored. I really do. I don't think regular season seeding matters at all. Um, so that's the East. Let's move over to the West Coast, leave Pat's territory, and over to my to my uh, humble over here in the West Coast. So let's start with Calgary and Abbotsford because we don't talk about Dustin Wolf enough. Um, did you see the save he made? Uh, like tic tac toe, Dustin Wolf. Did you see that save the other night? That yeah. was awesome. Enjoy it because he's going to be gone soon, Pat. Yeah, you know he won what forty seven awards or something this year. I mean, like <laughs> forty seven awards. Yeah, it felt like. I swear, like every time I get a, uh, another press release, another oh, email, it's Dustin Wolf. Dustin Wolf, Dustin Wolf. Okay, all right. Like you're gonna name um, the trophy after him at this rate. Yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully when he's making that NHL money, he can build an addition on his home there to fit all the new trophies in there. But um, yeah, uh, now yeah, more Dustin Wolf the same. Uh, now, they did get a little bit of a scare in game one against Abbotsford. Now, Abbotsford's, again, one of those teams where Vancouver's done. So, yep. they, they're pretty fully stocked lineup. They came in. They played them real hard, right? And yep. now, Calgary needed that one because, like, if, if you lose that one, you're almost in a must-win for number for game two because the final, it's a 2-3 series. So, the final three are in Abbotsford. Yeah. So, do you want to try to win three on the road? Um No. Um, you know, especially since um, they had played a three-game series in Abbotsford the final week of the regular season. Abbotsford took, took two of the, of the three. So um, they managed to pull that one out. Thank you, Jacob Peltier, uh, if you're the Calgary Wranglers. Um, you know, game two, if they can get that, if they can pull that one out, uh, then then you got to like their chances. But, you know, like this is going to be, you know, Calgary, I think, is my Calder Cup favorite. I think, you know, it's – not exactly a, a stretch of the imagination, but like it's going to be a r- rough path if they're so, if they're going to do that, right? Like they're going to have to either get Coachella in Colorado, who we'll discuss later, and then somebody on the Central, let's say it's Texas, Milwaukee, for example, and then you would have to obviously place away from the East. So like it's it's a it's a gauntlet that they have to run. Like it's not it is it's by no means, um, and it's not every day that you see the top two teams in the league come out of the same division, right? So like. But Coachella Valley, Seattle could, could still be in it, man. They could make the second round. They could, but um, you know, styles make fights. So, like, like I just look at Calgary. I just I don't see any weaknesses. Like, you, you I don't either. To, like, you try to pick apart the lineup. You try to play kind of the devil's advocate. And I'll put it this way: if they didn't even have Walker Dewar or Jacob Helche, I'd yeah. still have them as a favorite. Yeah. Absolutely. Like that. That's what I'm talking about. I think. Remember in 2018 when the Marlies made that run. You yeah. kind of like Texas gave them a good fight, but you kind of knew they were going to win. Yeah. You kind of had that feeling, or that they were the favorite, favorite rather. And I think that it just every box is checked for Calgary, really. Yeah. I mean, you, look, I mean, you, you can look, you look at like the backups. I mean, like, like, like Oscar Dancer, for example. Yeah. He's your you number know, two. Like, come he's on. your number two. Like, he's a solid guy. He's, he's been a playoff goalie in this league. And yeah, I mean, you know, Dustin Wolf, you keep waiting for him to have a bad game. He, he's 
So here's a stat. Other than the first game of the year against Coachella, he was pulled one time the entire season. He played 55 games, led the league. He was uh, pulled once. Once. The first game and of the year? Do you just say the first game of the year he was pulled? He was pulled once, and then he was pulled one time after that. Oh, so 53 hmm. out of the 55 games, he was not pulled. Okay, that's see, that's, um, that's the thing. You know, I had people, um, Sean O'Brien, who I think any AHL fan should follow. He's an absolute genius um, with his models and stuff. He was saying that he thought that it was a stupid pick for the AHL for Dustin Wolf, but I give him credit because, like, Wolf, the MVP, kudos because just the sheer volume of, yeah, he plays for a good team, but the amount of games that he played in and was that good in consistently, there was no dips. It was, he was that good throughout. Hey, like, like it's, it, it's hard to ignore. That is, and a, Western, and a Western Conference schedule where you're, you got some real, real significant travel. You obviously have back to backs in this league. Like, obviously, Oscar Downs is a good goalie. We just said it. I still believe it. But if he's their goalie with this team, I'm not, we're not jumping over and freaking out about them, I think. They're still a great team. But like, what Wolf is able to provide that already really good team makes them a clear cut favorite in my mind. Let's get a thought on Abbotsford, Pat. What, what are your thoughts on them? I know it's they're a pesky team. They've got, you know, Pazolkin, they've got Hoglander, but, you know, kind of David versus Goliath, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think uh, I know Calgary's not overlooking Abbotsford uh, by any stretch. And, and certainly when after that first game, and Abbotsford's right there, they matched them pretty much shot for shot, uh, goal for goal. I mean, you know, Peltier beats uh, Spencer Martin on a really nice shot, you know, to win the game. But, uh, you know, now one of the questions now is Matthew Phillips, who took his spearing uh, match penalty, you know, which is certainly not his style in game one, uh, first period. Um, What's his status down the, down, you know? Do you foresee series, supplemental discipline? I don't know. I mean, that will be something to watch. I mean, that's, you know, you're talking the guys number two in the league in goals in the regular season, 36 yeah. goals, right? Like, you know. And you only you have a five-game series, right? You only have yeah, three so, games. Yeah, even if you – know, so it won't take much of a suspension to, to, you know, take him out. I mean, he basically missed most of game one, too. So um, that that's something to keep an eye on. But um, – this is uh, this is a fun series. Like it's kind of like you know, it's, it's one of those ones where the NHL teams are rivals, and now uh, that carries right down to the to the AHL affiliates. And uh, you can see both teams are ready, right? Like they're uh, they're healthy, they're 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 fully, you know, fully stocked rosters with both uh, the parent clubs being finished. So it's um, this might be for my money maybe the best series of the entire first round. Coachella Valley in Colorado. Um, before we get to Coachella Valley, let's talk about Greg Cronin's Colorado Eagles. Where do they kind of land on your meter of, of able to, you know, pull off an upset here? Because I think that we talk about Coachella Valley, the same breath as Calgary, understandably, they're a great team. They've had a great regular season, but is it out of the realm of possibility that they're upset in this first round? I don't think so. It's a, it's a good question. I think, well, I think for Coachella, maybe they got that scare out of their system, right? Like, maybe, yeah. Like, I don't think they foresaw a situation where they're going to have to play a deciding game. You know, Tucson came in in game two. I mean, game one has just been a, a pretty much a complete route for, for the Firebirds. Tucson comes in, stuns them 3 nothing in the first period of game two, right? Like, um, sets up a game three. I think yeah, I was impressed like the way Coachella just came out. I mean, they they, just, they absolutely buried Tucson. Four goals in a, a stretch of a, a few minutes in the first period. It was like four nothing by ten minutes in, and that was the game. Um, so you could tell that they were the 
they were they were not a happy team with the way things have transpired. I think uh, sometimes a team needs that wake up call. Like they've had so much success, and then uh, you know they, they got they kind of got bloody lip, right? And they you know now now they know they're in the playoffs, right? So they they went in last night, game one, Colorado six two win, pretty much dominant from start to finish. I don't count Colorado out there. They're a, they're a well well coached team, very detailed. Um, I think the thing for Colorado will just be, you know, did the abs come calling, you know, like, you know, if they pull up a, a couple players at some points, that would be uh, a risk. And, and again, this is a two, three series. So you're in a situation. Their NHL well. affiliates are playing each other. Yes. Yes. It's a full, uh, full, full on battle. You yeah. know, like, um, you know, there was one a couple years ago where I believe it was Washington and Pittsburgh. And then Wilkes-Barre and Hershey. And then wheeling in South Carolina down. The oh East my East God! Carolina. Like at all at one point, uh, or at least in different parts of the, the respective playoffs, uh, had faced each other. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a I'd say it's a, almost a must-win game too Friday night, or actually tonight in Colorado, because if you have to go win three in Coachella, uh, I, w- I wish you luck. Um, I could see Colorado winning. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, if it goes to Coachella one-one, who knows, right? But totally, uh, yeah, I'm more so in this game. I can see Colorado winning. I think I'd still side with Coachella Valley for sure. But yeah, that's kind of where I would would go. Now here's let's move up to the Central Division. Our last one. This is really interesting. We'll get to Milwaukee Manitoba at the end. I'm gonna flip the script here a bit. But Texas and Rockford. Okay, I heard from a little birdie, a little source, that you picked Texas to sweep. Uh, the uh, an article for Texas. What's that? What's the site called? Thousand Degrees Hockey. Yes, Mister. I don't uh, do predictions. Mister. I, I, I don't do predictions. Does I picked predictions. them in. I believe I picked them in four. Uh, I'll, I'll stay with that. Texas in four. Oh my gosh! Right, because so. best of five. That's not a sweep. Okay, fair. It makes more sense. Here's the thing, though. Texas is without Thomas Harley now. They're without. Dallas is still in it. Reinforcers are coming. Rockford, meanwhile, has all their guys back from the NHL. Soderblom as well. Like, they have every kind of position there. Why do you pick Texas to win still? What is it about this Texas group that makes you still confident in their ability to get past what is, you know, a decent underdog in Rockford? Because Neil Graham, head coach in Texas, has had 11, 11 or so days to completely prepare this team. And uh, they're, they're prepared even, you know, during stretches of three and four, like, one of the best coach teams in the entire league and uh, you know, in terms of any lineup challenges, he'll work past that. They just play such a structured game. Um, you know, the kind of the, the, the Western conference version of Providence in that sense, like, you know, good depth. Um, like I said, very structured, uh, you know, they, they, they definitely can, can push the pace offensively. So I think Rockford is, is, is not a pushover, but I can't pick against Texas. Not not this year. Like I think that this is a this is a team that I think can definitely do some damage this, this spring. Well, they roll four lines too, right? Like, down, do. like te- yes. Texas Texas's third or fourth line is very much a threat to score. It's sure. not the same way as their first line or second line scores. Like it's more of a four checking bump and grind way. But like you have Curtis McKenzie on like your third line, like you're just a walking mismatch of a team, right? Like it, it's hard and- to match up against that. And a lot of guys that, um, you know, been, been through it before, you know, like McKenzie's been, you know, well, he's won a cup, went to another final. Um, 
you know, just a good experienced team, like, like veteran wise, like Alex Petrovic, they have, they have Tanner Caro, like just, you know, it's real, real, you know, hardworking team start. I mean, kind of like all, all the things a coach would want to see, they, they do it. They do it consistently, which is, as we've discussed, probably the most difficult thing in this league to, to find is that consistency and they have it. So, yeah, uh, I think they're a little bit of a, a team that's overlooked in the West. You know, everybody's obviously understandably so. Uh, really high in Calgary and Coachella, and um, but Texas is right there. Texas is right there. Uh, Texas, uh, they took three or four from Coachella in March, including uh, wow. one in their building. So, um, yeah, they're not a team to, to overlook. So, um, yeah, I understand they're missing a few pieces, but uh, I would just say don't sleep on Texas. Agreed. There. Let's move off to our last series, Manitoba, Milwaukee. Um, Milwaukee's kind of been my not sleeper team. I just I I mentioned a couple weeks ago and I said it on the show to just get out of the way. But I think that would you look at how when Nashville sold Nino and Janot, retool was in place. But then from then on, you know Nashville stayed in the fight, and the drivers were guys like Phil Tomasino, Luke Evangelista. And other guys that were are coming down too, like even Key for Sherwood and Mark Janikowski were in secondary roles and weren't as profound as those two prospects. But still, guys that had impacts in NHL games are now joining a Milwaukee team that's coached by Carl Taylor and backstopped by Yaroslav Askarov, who is our prospect of the week. It's been an interesting year for him, obviously. He was first 24 games. He had a 903 save percentage. Um Kind of getting the feel of things. It's a big change, smaller ice surface, the usual stuff. Then the last 24 games, he's got close to a 920 save percentage. He's as electrifying as, as he'll ever will be. He's got that flair, that flavor, and he could be the real X factor for a Milwaukee team that wouldn't be surprised if we see him in the conference finals at the very least. Yeah, a little bit of swagger, I think, is, is you know, one way to kind of look at uh, Askarov. Just like he's confident, right? Like he's 20 years old. Um, and, but you know, he, he kind of, he struts out there. Like he's like a 10 year veteran, right? Like, like, um, he's not a guy that, uh, I think, he, you know, not that I think Manitoba's really that kind of team, but you're not going to get into his head. Right. Like, um, you know, and, and, and if for some reason he would, he would falter, you have uh, Devin Coley right behind him, who was fantastic last year in the playoffs against Manitoba. This is a rematch from last season. So, um, I would be more concerned with Milwaukee bringing all those players back if they had, had to jump right into it, like the best of three. Mm-hmm. But they've now they've had about ten days to practice, kind of get everything squared away. Um, I talked to Carl Taylor this week. You know, you know he didn't seem too concerned. Uh, it, I mean, and he's he's a pretty honest guy that in terms of he'll acknowledge you know what he is concerned. So the fact that he's not too rattled by that, I think. I think it uh, bodes well for Milwaukee, uh, but I think this will be a tight series, right? Like the, the Moose are just that kind of team that they, they kind of hang around. Um, yeah, they 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 lost both their goalies too. They're both that now. That is the variable. The question is though, do they're the, both the, drinking the Jets, beers at the Vegas casino right now? If the Jet, no, they're no, they're not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, um, um, now, if the Jets get bounced, that's no, there's uh, no one really coming down though. Well, you you get your goalies back. True, so, but but you're all, you're already going to be too deep in the yeah. No, you're right. It's it's a lot hingy on tonight's Jets game, the Thursday night Jets game, uh, for the Moose season. But one more question to ask, Rob. 
where how far away is he from being an NHL goalie? He's farther. I think he's farther than a wolf. Well, obviously Wolf. Farther than a Lucas Dostal. He he's kind of that next. Like, listen, there's been a lot of good goalies in the HL this year, but like, let's put our reality goggles in. I think he's probably two years away, right? Still, at least, at least, yeah. Let us say so. Goalies traditionally are coming in at twenty twenty one, right? Yeah. So so like, so Wolf has needed two years now. Brandon, I think maybe he's a little bit overdone, but uh, like. Dostal, you know, was well. He played that short season and then played a full season last year, about half the season. So maybe that uh, roughly averages out to two. So I think certainly next year you would want to see Askarov in Milwaukee again. Now, one of the variables will be let's say if Milwaukee really go on a run, let's say he gets fifteen to twenty extra playoff games, sure. high high pressure, high intensity, high you know high quality opponents. That could maybe accelerate things a little bit, but uh, certainly, I think I think two years is probably the minimum. Well, um, the thing too is now we're seeing these goalies come over earlier, yeah. so that does that does work in favor towards it being because I could tell when I asked you, you were like, you know, you don't he's so not just good, but he's so sort of profound in the way that he plays and commanding when he's on that you're like, ooh, like could see him you know going up and just kind of never coming back right away but i think that for a team like nashville who will probably look a little bit different next year up top mm-hmm. you know going to be a, a retool or a patient approach i just don't see them throwing him into that situation yet i don't know well that's the thing you that's do, what whatever I you do you don't want to mess this up right you yeah. have you have a potential number one for the next 10 years if you if for you, sure if you manage it correctly and barry trot's now coming in i think certainly understands that right and so yeah um i mean it's the, the milwaukee nashville way for the last 25 years really since nashville entered the nhl has been the slow and steady right like they don't rush players um, yeah and you look at everybody that came through there in that pecorini um cesaros you know like some second tier goalies uh you know not just in net never mind defensemen forwards um they always err on the side of uh, extra time in Milwaukee rather than too little. So, and and, and Barry Trotz uh, was certainly a part of that uh, national DNA for a long time uh, before he left, and now he's back. Uh, he certainly, I don't think changed any of that that thought. No, I agree. Uh, that approach. So, um, yeah, I think one more year in Milwaukee, and then maybe revisit it uh, for what that would be twenty four, twenty five, and we'll see. Well, you could also. To your point about him having a crazy playoff, if he does, you could always get to the point where next year, if you're not a competitive team, you bring him up sure. uh, every so often or whatever, right? I just think that if you look at this year at right now, he's only had one half of a season of really good hockey. When I see it, we're all kind of thinking, oh, he's going to be real good, but not necessarily in the NHL come the fall. So that's all I kind of mean by that. But he, he could... Listen, he could be the he could be the Conn Smythe equivalent winner of these playoffs. Wouldn't be surprised. He has all the talent in the world to do it. But we're going to end it there. We've gone through the Sweet 16. We won't be in the, in the Elite Eight next uh, week by that. We'll still be kind of in the thick of it, but we'll have lots more to recap, a lot of prospects to, to cover, a lot of teams to, to put the spotlight on. But until then, we're going to sign off from here. Thank you for listening, folks, and we'll see you next week.